seated. Our reading today is from Jonah chapter 3, verses 10 to chapter 4, verse 11. It can be found on page 929 in the Red Bibles. There are Bibles and other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers are displayed on the screen. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the east city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it to grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I am so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks uh, so much, Shika, for reading. Um, Keep your Bibles open. Let's... Pray together, shall we? And we'll look at this. Father, we do pray and we ask for your Spirit's help this morning as we look at your words. Would you teach us and open our eyes to your character and who you are, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And we are starting, as James said, a short series. Now, I should tell you, this is is Steve's uh, farewell series. Um, uh, Steve isn't actually here today. He's going to do the next three. Um, uh, I'm just doing this first one. It is um, taking the line, reach the city. Um, And what we're going to do is look um, over the next four weeks at four cities that are um, uh, looked at in the Bible. And so today we're looking at Nineveh. Uh, We'll go on to look at Jerusalem, Philippi, and Rome. That's what we're doing over the next four weeks. And it means that we are landing in Jonah Um, at the end here, and there's not much that's going to make sense for me this morning unless we do a little bit of a recap um, of uh, the story of Jonah. Now, you probably know it fairly well. You might know it fairly well. You may not. People come and may not know the story. So this, by way of recap, hopefully, will help us. 
Okay, so there is the story of Jonah. There is your quick recap. And we have landed here at the end of um, this book. Um, Jonah is one of the gems of the Old Testament. It's a terrific book, and I, I would encourage you to kind of go back and reread it. We land at this point. Effectively, the story is of the prophet who went to reach the city and then hated that it works. Uh, Jonah goes and delivers a message uh, that he's been given, eventually gets there and delivers a message, and then he's furious at the response that he gets, that actually people do respond to him. And we uh, arrive here, where, so this end of chapter 3, um, when God saw what they did, that's the Ninevites, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. So it's a, it's a funny situation where the book, Jonah, God's anger ends, and Jonah's anger starts. And he is furious at uh, what um, God is doing. Why? Assyria... Um, Assyria was one of the superpowers of the day, and, and uh, Nineveh, um, uh, this is a sort of artist's impression of perhaps what it might have been like, um, uh, you know, an amazing city uh, on the banks of the river, um, and Jonah had gone there, and they are, you know, they are a real threat to Jonah's people. You, would, you could draw some analogies around the world of a, a smaller minority country threatened by a, a great world power. Um, so it's not as though he's just kind of making this up. This, they are a threat to him, and it seemed very wrong that God should show mercy to a violent, oppressive nation uh, that he, um, as he considered it. And he'd shown the mercy to most. They hadn't even kind of fully converted. So he'd gone and given this message, and we know that they had begun to turn from their evil ways. They'd begun to call on God. It's not as though they've sort of said... We now ascend to the triune God and, and so on. They, they, they're making those first steps. I've no reason to doubt them, but it's not... Jonah's got a case for saying, well, you know, you're doing this off the back of what? So there are a couple of questions that I want to ask as we go through this morning. And the first um, is, why is Jonah so angry? Um, and the second will be, what does Jonah need to know? But the, the, why? It's, it's the obvious question. Why is he so angry? If you have a look with me, um, he says... He prayed to the Lord, um, verse 2, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. You see all the eyes. This is what I said. I, uh, this is what I tried. I actually tried to stop this from happening. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending, sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord replies, Is it right? for you to be angry. Um, Why is he so angry? I think because his place is threatened. His place is threatened. These eyes, I tried, you know, I actually, Lord, I tried to stop this from happening. I tried to forestall this. And I wanted your place. And now you've gone and done it anyway. And those words, I knew you were gracious. And compassion. They're really, really famous words from the Old Testament that get repeated. I knew you were a, a God gracious and compassionate, abounding in love. And you can say them two ways. You can say them, I knew, I, gosh, I, I knew you were a God like this. It's, I'm full of wonder and praise that you would be this merciful. I knew you were that kind of God. Or you can say, 
I knew you were that kind of God. I knew you'd do this. I knew if I let you in, you would go and show them mercy. It's exactly the kind of thing you do and exactly why I wanted your place and didn't want you to do it. He wants God's place. In many ways, he wants to to be able to define who is in and who is out. Or perhaps even more than that, that he is in and that others are out defines him. And he wants to be able to call that. It's one of the most powerful forces in our society today, isn't it, at the moment? You see it in our culture at large, those who are in and those who are out, those uh, who we call we and those who we call they. And you see it everywhere in different places where people define themselves and we say, well, we are this, and thank goodness I'm not like them. We see it in our culture, in our politics. Um, you no doubt see it uh, in schools. You, you know, we're, we're this group and we're not that group. You see it in families. It's us. We're not, at least we're not like them. Your side of the family, my side of the family. What is God? Why is he, he's, he's angry at God. And it's as if God is saying to him, in that question, you know, that, that just God asks the right questions. Is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? What is your anger telling you? What is your anger telling you that you are threatened? What is threatened? What is this anger telling you? Is it that you didn't trust my love for you, Jonah? Is it that you think because I'm showing love to others that somehow I'm not showing love to you? What's threatened, Jonah? It's a very interesting question to ask. Can you read your own anger? What is your own anger telling you is threatened? Lots of parallels are made between this story and particularly the end of this story and the story of the prodigal son and the elder brother who ends the story on the outside not of, the, uh, of the feast uh, and won't come back in. Um, Jonah ends up on the outside of the city and won't respond and doubts God's love for him and is angry at God. The elder brother doubts the father's love and is angry and bitter at God. Why is he angry? His place is being threatened. What is it that Jonah needs to know? That takes us um, uh, into the, uh, the, the, the little episode um, with the plant. Um, now, this, this is, okay, so this is the end game of the Jonah story, and I did see it yesterday, and it is awesome. Um, no spoilers, I promise. But it is. This is the end game. The, the, the whole point is there's, there's something that comes at the end. And this is what comes. What Jonah needs to know, what he really needs to know is the extent of God's love. And he uses this episode with the plant. Um, let's have a look at, uh, at what happens. Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place east of the city. Then he made himself a shelter. So he's gone out, um, perhaps, I don't know, to sort of watch what happens uh, maybe he's still kind of got in in the back of his mind, or well, maybe it's, you know, destruction is still going to come on them, and I'll, I'll get my popcorn and we'll watch. Um, he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. 
Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Well, at least I've got the plant. You know, sometimes when things are not going well, at least I have this. Uh, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. Um, The sun rose. God provided a scorching east wind um, uh, because God knows how to do these things well. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live, which is an echo of verse 3. So he's back where he was. And Jonah now asks another question, these gentle questions that come Jonah's way. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And now we get Jonah's reply, it is. It is right. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. And the Lord says, you've been concerned about this plant. Now the word concern here is the word for pity, um, grief almost, um, uh, to, you know, to... To, um, to, be, to, to love or to, and to be sad that you're, you don't have. You're, you're, you've, you've shown concern, you've shown this kind of pity about this plant. But you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the hand, right hand from the left, and also many animals... How concerned are you really, Jonah? This plant, you know, you're, you, you enjoyed it, but let's let, your relationship to the plant is, well, it's, a, it's like the difference between, say, a, a, a visitor to a, a, a nice garden and the actual creator and gardener who made it. What's your relationship to the plant? Your relationship to the plant is, one. Well, okay, so you, it helped you, you liked it, it had a utility for you, but you're not the gardener. You didn't pour your heart into this plant. You didn't create and bring it about. You don't have that relationship. Look at the relationship I have with this, uh, this city, these people. And I think that's why he throws in this last line, also many animals, which is an odd line, isn't it? When you look at it, you, know, why you end the book on, and also many animals. Why does he do that? I think it's just to underline this is about God's creation of, of the entirety of that place and those people and all the animals, the creatures that are in it, they are all his. He has that, that concern, that pity, love, heartbroken nature over everything that is there. And he says, you don't have that relationship. This is, um, um, this is Chris Pratt, who is a, a, a famous person. Um, and he, he likes posting things on, on social media. I, I just find myself surprised because... Um, He's obviously a movie star and all this kind of thing. He likes posting about his farm. He has a farm, and he posts quite a lot. And he'll post pictures of sheep and cows and pigs and things. And he writes about them, and, and he talks about them being born and how much love he has for them. And then he occasionally writes one about perhaps the passing of an animal whom he loved. And it kind of catches you by surprise because you think, well, you've got, yes, I assume you've, you know, you're off doing movie star things. But he has a farm that he loves and he loves bringing up these animals. And so he kind of, he writes about them. And, and you, you, it's the love and the affection of the, of the farmer, of the gardener, of the creator. Do you see? It's a different relationship. And he says, Jonah, look at best. You have a shallow, a kind of utility love for this plant. It's different. And mine is this deep affection 
And I guess until you see that, Jonah, you're not going to understand what's going on here. And until you begin to even kind of share in some of that affection that I have for all of these people and animals. Why is Jonah so angry? His place is being threatened. And yet what he needs to know, I guess, is the overwhelming love of God for Nineveh, for him too. What is it that God wants us to know? And I I kind of have an eye on the fact that we've got this series uh, looking at Reach the City and kind of what does it mean for us. There's a really funny thing when you stand back from the book of Jonah and look at it. Here is a story um, that, well, this is what I, I guess God wants us to know. To reach the city, God has to reach you and me. This story of Jonah, it's about, you know, here's, here's the story about reaching Nineveh, which actually turns out to be almost entirely about reaching Jonah. About God trying to get into Jonah's life and convince him. If God is going to reach outsiders, the Ninevites, he spends an awful lot of time trying to reach the insider, Jonah. And if God is going to reach unbelievers in our city, in our, in our communities, in our places, the people he needs to convince of his love are the Christians. The people he needs to convince of his love are the Christians. To convince us that actually he has that love for us which might overflow, that he has that love for, uh, for his world, And that his love for his world doesn't threaten his love for us. I wonder if we might just kind of um, turn the story around for a moment and try and look at it and hear it as though it was someone um, from Nineveh. Okay, so imagine that you're somebody from Nineveh and you've kind of had an awareness of all of this playing out. um, All of what's been going on and you've you've kind of seen Jonah come and and, and go. I, I just, as a sort of thought uh, experiment almost for a moment. I imagine you're somebody from Nineveh and you're looking at all of this happening and God uh, and Jonah and you're kind of saying to yourself, okay, so I thought there's this, insofar as there might be this God out there, the, the overwhelming message I got generally was you have this God and he doesn't like me and my lot's. He doesn't like me and my lot. I don't know why, but there is this God, and as far as I can tell, he largely hates us. Um, he seems to like a, sort of a, a group over there. And, do you know, I've seen this story of Jonah, and I've seen it unfolding, and I kind of go, huh. Huh. I see your God is really unhappy with somebody from your lot because they don't love enough someone like me. God's really unhappy with Jonah because he doesn't love enough an outsider like me. And I go, huh. And they might say, maybe, okay, God, if you are there, let me just give you a little bit of friendly advice. Um, You're looking for somebody who is better than Jonah. Can I tell you that? 
I'll give you this for free, God. You're looking for somebody better than Jonah. You're looking for somebody who isn't going to just kind of slink off to the outskirts of the city. You're looking for somebody who's going to go into the heart of where the people are. God, you're looking for somebody who is going to weep for the people of the city. You're looking for somebody who is going to love the people of the city. You're looking for somebody who, dare I say it, God, is going to come and give his life for the people of the city. And you imagine God says, with a twinkle in his eye, it's okay. Jesus, assemble. And the degree to which we see what God is doing in Jesus, in sending him to a people who turn their backs on him, who don't want to know him even, who have no regard for him, and he weeps over them and loves them and lays down his life for them. The degree to which we see that and we see where Jonah fails and Jesus stands, it will move us to understand the love of God that he has for his world and his people. One of the encouraging things about the book of Jonah is that Jonah learns this in stages. He learns it by running off in the wrong direction. He learns it by being thrown into a storm, then being called out in a storm uh, by uh, sailors who, uh, who kind of point the finger at him. Uh, he learns it when he ends up then throwing himself into the sea, when he's in the belly of a fish, when he finally goes. He learns it all by stages. And the book ends with this big cliffhanger. Because we don't quite know, what, where does he go next? Does, does Jonah, what, what happens to Jonah? We don't know. And it's as if the writer of the book is kind of handing this over to me and you and saying, what are you going to do and fill that gap? We don't know what happens to Jonah. What are you going to do? And he learns it by stages. It's one of the most kind of encouraging things about the book is that there's this gap waiting for you and me to go, okay, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Where do I need to change? And that is the question I want to leave us with as we finish. What can you pray, what can I pray, will change about myself? What will change about yourself? What could you pray going into this week? Might it be that, Lord, show me where, where, where I'm somehow threatened or my place is threatened? Could it be that, I, I, Lord, I, please open my eyes to see quite the extent of your son's love and your love through your son? Could it be that you could just open my eyes to the people that are around me? That I might look on them as you look on them. Where can I, where can I change, Lord? Where, where can I begin? Jonah does it by stages. So, Lord, what's the next stage? Please let it not be being thrown into the sea. We're going to bring things together. We're starting this journey through these next few weeks, thinking about how we reach the city. To reach the city, God needs to reach, ironically, you and me, first of all. To convince anyone else, he has to convince us of his love. Let's pray together, shall we?
Heavenly Father, we pray. Lord, we are so much more like Jonah than we uh, perhaps, oh, I'm uh, prepared to admit. Um, and Lord, I pray that you'd melt our hearts. Uh, just refresh our sense of your love for this world, your love for us. That we're not, it's not a threat to us. Uh, and Lord, I pray that as we go into this week, whatever it holds for each of us, school, work, wherever it might be, family, Lord, please just give us eyes to see where you are wanting us to change, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.